Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. This week, uh, I don't know why really, but I was, I was reading a little bit about Mother Teresa, uh, that kind of famous Macedonian nun who did a lot of work in India. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've all heard of her. She's one of the most influential people of the 20th century, hugely respected across the whole world. And that's because in 1950, she saw a need. And the need was the terrible plight of the, the poor in Calcutta in India, where she was working at the time. So what she did was she did something about it. She left her job as a teacher in Calcutta. She left her salary. She left her home. And she went and she moved in and lived amongst the poorest of the poor in a slum in Calcutta. And she set up an organization basically to help as many of these poor people as she possibly could. And over time she did and more people joined her. And eventually people started to notice what she was doing. And uh, that she was serving these, these poor people. And, she, and they began to ask her, why are you doing this? Why have you moved into a slum to serve these people? And she told them that the reason she was doing it was out of love and obedience of Jesus. And as the organization grew, more and more people, people started to travel from right across the world to come and ask her this same question. Why are you doing this? And she told them the same thing, out of love and obedience to Jesus. It was a very, very powerful witness. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. And that is serving others, serving others practically. Now, this morning is the fourth in our mission series, uh, where we have this kind of acronym for mission, and we're going through and doing a sermon for each letter. Now, we've already looked at M, the M for mission, which stands for Meals Together. We did that a few weeks ago. We've looked at the I of mission, which stands for Intercede for five others. So we all got our little cards and wrote down five people who were praying for. And then last week, Tom looked at the S, which is share your story, a very powerful thing to do when we're talking to people. And this morning, we're going to look at the second S in mission, which stands for serve practically, serve practically. Now, in Old Testament times, uh, Jerusalem was seen as as a city on a hill that kind of served as a, as a beacon to, to all that could see it that pointed to God. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus used this image as an illustration of the effect that the good works of us as believers will have on outsiders. And Jesus says this in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And basically what Jesus is saying here is that for us as Christians, when we serve others practically with loving acts of kindness, opportunities are going to arise for us to speak to people. And and just like Mother Teresa did about God, who after all performed the ultimate act of selfless love and service in giving his son for us. And and when people see those acts that we do and we share God, they're going to be like, wow, this God, there's something in this God. I want to be part of this. I I want in on this. That's what Jesus is saying here. That's That's how serving practically leads into sharing our faith. And the passage you want to look at uh, this week is one of the clearest examples in all of scripture of Jesus setting an example 
in serving others and calling us to do likewise. And that's John chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. John 13, 1 to 17. So I'm just going to read it real quick and then dive in. It says this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall not, never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. So Jesus is in this situation where he, he, he washes his disciples' feet. He serves them practically by washing their feet, which would have been a dirty job to do back then. People wore sandals. It was the Middle East. People's feet were dusty. They were dirty. There could have been poo on them. There could have been whatever on them. It was not a nice job to do. It was a, it was a servant's job. It was a disgusting job. And Jesus served his disciples practically by washing their feet. And I just want to see three things this morning from this passage about serving practically. And the first is that serving practically starts with identifying a need. Serving practically starts with identifying a need. You see, when Jesus was with the the disciples, he identified a real need. Like people's feet needed washing and nobody was doing it. That was the need. See, serving practically starts with identifying what the real areas are where we can truly serve and benefit the other person. And, And in Jesus' case, it was washing feet. For us in the situations we find ourselves in, it may be different. Now, I just want to say, when it comes to identifying a need, often needs don't come gift wrapped, you know, with advanced warning and an alarm system attached, you know, need coming, need coming, get ready to serve practically, you know, it'd be helpful if they did, but they don't, it doesn't come like that. Now, to, to identify needs, you've got to be alert, you've got to keep your eyes open, you've got to be ready for it. I remember being in Aldi a while back and uh, I was getting, you know, I'd, I'd put all my food on the, the kind of conveyor belt thing and there was a lady in front of me and, and uh, she kind of checked in all her stuff, put it in her, in, her, in her trolley and then she gets her card out and the card doesn't work, gets another card out, doesn't work, doesn't have enough cash and she's there kind of flapping around, what am I going to do? And in that moment, I just thought, right, I can help here. I can serve this person. So I just walked up, said, don't worry, I'll pay for it. 
stuck the card in, pressed the thing. And before she really could say much, it was paid for. And she was like, oh, thank you so much. That's great. Really, oh, that's lovely of you. Paid for the card, came back, and she went. And I went on doing the rest of my groceries. Now, the, the thing is, in that situation, I had like about, I had about five seconds to act. And if I didn't act, if I, if I wasn't alert, had my eyes open, I was going to miss the opportunity. You know, it's the same within church. You know, in normal times in church, when this, you know, when we, we, when you plant church, when you plant a church, like the, the group you plant a church with, they're kind of like soldiers, right? And there's this group of people within your church planting team. They're like the elite soldiers, right? They're the SAS of soldiers, right? Because this is what they do. When the service is over, they look up and they think, who could I talk to that needs me to talk to them? Not who do I want to. They think, okay, who is sitting on their own? Who is new? Who is? And they, they get up and they go around the room and they talk to those who are not talking to anyone else. They talk to those who are new. Not the people, they're friends or anything like that. And they go around the room. And you get a few people like that. They're the elite forces of church planters because they just know. They know where are the needs in this room and they're identifying them and, and meeting them. And also, when you, when you think of COVID, when COVID happened a year ago, you know, it, you think, okay, what do I do with this whole COVID thing, right? Who are the people who are most in need right now? And it's clearly those who are living on their own. So identifying needs is thinking, okay, wow, people who live on their own, they're the ones who are most in need because their social circle has completely gone. What can I do? Well, can I meet up with them, make some food? You know, it's, and I think so often sometimes we can be quite consumed with our own needs. And it's so important to just lift our heads, lift our eyes, and just identify the needs of others. Elizabeth was sharing with me just yesterday. She said a friend of her work, a friend from hers from work, who's really not open to the gospel at all. Pretty auntie, really. And uh, a while back, her mum died. And she was so caught up about it. And Elizabeth went, bought a lovely card, wrote a lovely card, got a present got a picture of her mum, put it in a frame and went and brought her this, this present and this card. Honestly, it meant the world to it, it really did. A few months later, she got ill. Elizabeth brought another card to, you know, just really showed love and care to this, this work colleague. But it was one of those things, it, 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 you know, you have to react. You, you have to be ready for these things when they come. So I think when it comes to identifying needs, it's about having a mindset, being alert, being ready. You ever see those like westerns where you've got like two cowboys like at the end of a street and they've both got their holsters and their guns ready and you know one of them says there ain't enough room in this town for the both of us and they're all ready. It's kind of like that posture of being ready, okay? So serving practically starts with identifying a need. Once you've done that, the next step is having the willingness to meet that need. Having the willingness to meet that need. You see, in this passage, Jesus stands in stark contrast to the disciples. Like, like Jesus, they could see the need. They, they weren't, their feet weren't being washed, as was the custom. You know, someone should have been doing this and they weren't. But the disciples certainly weren't going to step in and do a task that was so low status and beneath them, a servant's job. Yet without fuss, Jesus took on the servant's role and did the task that needed doing. I remember being in uh, Uganda about a year and a half ago. I did some teaching out there, some pastors teaching. And uh, we'd, we'd finished one of the days where we were doing some teaching. And we, we, we came back to the house that we were staying. It was real rural Uganda. And uh, 
it, it rained loads and just getting to the house was just was so muddy like our shoes were just caked in mud so we get to the door take our shoes off outside just leave them there i mean my shoes have never been muddy i mean it was just everywhere take the shoes off next day come out and my shoes have been completely cleaned like cleaner than they were when i first bought them you know that kind of cleanliness and they're not easy sho- they're a suede like not easy shoes to clean you know like so I was like, wow, this is great. This is really nice. And I was just thinking, you know, someone in that household, nobody owned up to who did it, you know, someone in that household saw a need, right? Some shoes that are dirty, right? Now, they didn't stand there thinking, we should, we should inform the leadership about this need. I think we should have a committee meeting about this. Let's have a conversation. Um, no, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a spreadsheet so we can you know, put this need and if there's any other needs, add it to the spreadsheet. No, they identified the need and they met the need. They cleaned the shoes, you know? They, they did it. Um, I remember when we first started meeting in Lady Barn Community Centre, right? Now, some of you maybe think this is still the case, but the toilets were always really dirty. They were awful, the toilets. And, and Elizabeth and a couple of guys from Lady Barn, they, they identified the need. It was like, these toilets are disgusting. And they didn't kind of go and be like, right, we're going to do this or this or this or talk to all these people or have a committee meeting or just look at them. No, they got some stuff and they cleaned the things and made a rota and cleaned them every week. They met the need. So it's not just identifying a need. You can do that. Oh, it's a need. Great. Hello, need. Nice to see you, need. But it's meeting that need. So I don't know. I've just a question that's maybe a bit of a challenge to us all. One that I just want us all to mull over a little bit. And that's this. Are there needs that you have identified, you know they're there, but you aren't willing to meet them? You know, I know the toilets need clean, but it's disgusting, so I'm going to leave it and hopefully someone else will do it. You know, I, I know we need kids workers, but it's honestly, it's a headache dealing with kids all morning, so I'm just going to keep quiet when they ask for volunteers. You know, I, I know there's someone sitting on their own after church, but my goodness, they're hard work. Oh, you know, I, so rather than go over and talk to them, I'm just going to hope somebody else does. You know, are there needs that, that you know you've identified them and you aren't willing to meet them? I just, it's just something for us to mull over. I'm not trying to guilt trip people or anything like that. It's not, but just there may be something obvious that comes to you. I'd love it if you meet, meet those needs. Anyone ever heard of Henri Nguyen? Hands up if you've heard of Henri Nguyen. Not so many of you. Henri, a few of you. Henri Nguyen was a, a Dutch Catholic priest who um, died in like, 1996. He was a renowned Christian writer, wrote 40, over 40 books. Uh, he was a professor of theology at Yale and then Harvard in the 80s and 90s. People came from all over the world to hear him speak. He did lecture tours all over the world. Uh, he wrote books. They were bought by people all over the world. He was a big deal in the theology world. And then he just said, I just felt God call me to resign, give it all up, and move to live in a community looking after severely disabled people. So he did. That is what he did and spent the next 10 years of his life looking after severely disabled people. He went from being, from writing best-selling books and doing lectures across the world to, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but wiping people's bottoms and cleaning up sick amongst other things. And he said, you know, it was, it was such hard work, but you know this, it was wonderfully liberating in a, in a, in a different way. 
Like these, these people, they accepted me for who I was, not just my academic achievements. They didn't care that I'd written books. They didn't care that I could do teaching, all that kind of stuff. That didn't matter to them. He said, it didn't matter to these severely disabled people that, that, that I'd written 40 books because most of them couldn't read. What good is books if you can't read? You know, and, and, he, and he said, through serving others, he said, I came to a deeper understanding of my faith and what it means to be beloved of God than I ever knew while being a professor of theology at Harvard and Yale. You know, all he knew and he identified the need and he didn't say, no, that's beneath me. No, that's a waste of my gifts. I should be writing books, not doing that. He didn't say any of that. No, he identified the need and he met the need just like Jesus did. And he wants us to do the same. So that's the second step of serving practically, being willing to meet the need you've identified. And when we do these two things, it often results in a conversation. And we see this with Jesus as, as, as he served the disciples by washing their feet. It prompted questions in Simon Peter, verse 6. He says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Like, what, are you, why are you doing this? this? And this leads to a conversation between them. And you see, washing the disciples' feet gave Jesus the opportunity to go beyond the act of service itself and talk about deeper things. And that's, that's often how it goes when we serve others practically. That's often the way it goes. You know, I remember when we used to start doing the family fun days at, at Withington and we do them and people, I don't know what it was about family fun days. People would always come along with money and be like, where do I put the money? And I was like, well, we, we, there is nowhere to put the money. It's free. Like, what do you mean it's free? And they would get a bit irked. They'd be like, oh, just put a pot out to put this money in. There was something like, there was just, I don't want to, I don't want to be free. I don't want to owe anything. Just put a pot out. And if I didn't, they'd put a, they'd get a cup out and start putting money in it. I was like, no, it's free. Just take it. It's free. You don't need to put money in but like it's, uh, uh, when I say it was free, they'd be like, well, why? Why are you doing this? And we'd be able to share how, you know, we're a church. God loves us. We want to share that love. And often we'd have some really good conversations. And often I find, often I find in situations like that, and I've said this before, a really good phrase to ask people when you talk about anything to do with God, church, Christianity, anything, is just to say, have you got a faith? Do you have a faith? And often it brings the best conversations ever. They just talk and talk. When I was in Aldi, back when I paid for that lady shopping, um, so, she, so I paid for it. She was really thankful. She, she went off and, you know, great. So then I'm behind her. So I'm now paying for my stuff, right? And the checkout assistant, she's like, wow, that was really nice of you. That was really nice. And she starts talking to me. And it's not your normal chit chat. She's talking about deeper things, worldview things, what I believe and stuff like that. And we have this really good conversation. And then, and then the next times that I come into Aldi and I'm served by this checkout assistant, I don't know what it is. She looks at me different, you know. She'd look at me like, you know, like I'm one of the good guys, you know. I'm one of them. I'm not one of those cranky customers that you're just like you serve, but really you don't like them. She's like, yeah, you're one of the good guys. And, and there was, was something different really. And, and each Christmas, Elizabeth and I, we always write a card lovely card to the staff at Aldi. We'll share, you know, the meaning of Christmas, what it means to us. We'll put a Bible verse into it. We'll buy some chocolates, not from Aldi. That's weird, just buying them from Aldi and giving them to the people. We'll buy some chocolates from another supermarket, right? And we'll, you know, we'll give it to them. But the nice thing is that, like, they know we're the people who, you know, will occasionally buy people shopping for them. And then they hear the message and there's, like, there's action behind the message. This means something. This isn't just words. There's something to this. And like Elizabeth's friend from work, you know, she, 
you know, she got her that, that present and that card when her mom died. Uh, and she got her another kind of present card when she was ill. And that really meant a lot to her. And this, and this woman from work has had a real bad experience from kind of whole Catholic faith growing up. You know, real difficult time with that. Uh, and all of a sudden she's meeting this Christian who's really good, who's kind, who's loving, and who like believes in Jesus and believes in God. And, and, and it's kind of completely turning her worldy upside down because for her, like Christians are a bit bad. They're not, they're not good. Where she's meeting one who is good and is sharing this message. And all of a sudden, what's happened since then is she started to ask lots of questions about faith, about what it means to be a Christian, about what Elizabeth likes being a Christian. All these kind of things have opened up off the back of that practical service that she has shared with her friend. So just as we finish, just to say, look, Jesus served the disciples practically by washing their feet. And then, and then he told the disciples that his actions were supposed to be an example for them. And they're an example for us too. They're an example for us to do. So as followers of Christ, let's be ready to serve. Like, let's be the cowboy, ready, you know, ready to, you know, gunsling or whatever they do, you know. Let's be ready, you know. Let's have that mindset, eyes open. Where's the need? Where can I serve? Let's be ready to identify needs, to meet needs. And not just the needs, needs of, of believers, but the needs of unbelievers too. And, you know, if you do that, I guarantee you that's going to lead to some conversations. I guarantee you that's going to lead to some conversations. And when we get into those conversations, let's not be afraid to share the faith that we have. Because let me tell you, people are going to listen. Okay, That whole idea that that person's not interested in the gospel or God or anything like that. Okay, That's a lie from the devil to keep you quiet. Okay, People are going to listen. Okay, there's a spiritual hunger out in this world. They're going to listen. And the message we have, the message we have is the most powerful, potent, life-changing message in the whole world. The gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the message we carry. Okay, but I just want to say on that, the next time you serve someone practically and they ask, oh, why did you do that? You don't have to share the whole gospel, you know. You don't have to preach a sermon about the blood of Jesus and how it atones for our sins and redemption and justification. You don't have to say that, okay. All I would say is, just say something, you know. Why did you do that? I'm a Christian, it's what we do, you know. <laughs> say that, you know, or, you know, I'm into God, you know. What, just, whatever it is, just something, I just want you to say something, whether they think you're weird or whatever, you know, it's a God thing. God loves you or whatever. Just say something. And then if you go completely blank, just ask the magic question. This is the question that always works wherever you are. Well, work for me anyway. Do you have a faith? And then just listen. And honestly, just listen. You you won't need to argue. You won't need to defend anything. You won't need to prove anything. Just listen, nod, show empathy. And that, do that, do that. That is great. I just want to share, right, I'm done. But I just want to share, a couple of weeks ago, I shared about um, praying for my neighbor. You know, his grandson had been taken away from his daughter. And, uh, you know, it was awful. And I said, I'm going to pray for this. And I've been looking out to see if his grandson is playing on the front, on our green in the front. Because if he is, I'm like, right, he's back. Answer to prayer. Yesterday, who did I see on the green? Hey, his grandson. Yes, so... Answer to prayer right there. His grandson is back. I am going over, I think this afternoon if I get time, and I'm going to say to my neighbor, look, grandson's back. 
answer the prayer right there. And I know he'll be like, oh, well, you know, well, you know all that kind of stuff. Say, well, okay, come on. What's the next thing you want prayer for? And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be that conversation, which is it's good, that ongoing thing to build that up. So, so that's kind of my conclusion. I haven't really, yeah, haven't really thought too much more about this. Serve practically leads to gospel conversations. Great. Let's go do it.